We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is time to go outdoors. It's warmed up. A little breezy, but the sun is out. Steve Carney joins us. SteveCarneyOutdoors.com. Steve, you've got to be encouraged. The forecast, a little warmer uh a little progress towards spring hey steve good afternoon i think we've turned the corner i don't think there's (laughs) going to be any more 32 below stuff i think we're looking good here it's going to be in the 20s uh indefinitely so yeah we turned the corner i'm as happy as you can expect yeah and it uh, makes it a whole lot uh, better but uh, the season rapidly winding down yeah, it is. Uh, walleye season closes this weekend, and we got to get ice houses off. A lot of things happening. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's still a good time of the year, and I am going to give you my top-secret walleye recipe. This is uh-huh. something that people would kill for, but I'm going to actually uh, tell all our listeners this is the greatest, okay? All right, I'm um, ready. I am really not into the beer batter thing and the fry thing. And th- this is a, a takeoff of a Vietnamese uh, seafood dish called pho. And I've kind of changed it to a walleye version. And what's kind of cool about it, it's really a very pretty dish. It, it's still kind of a seafood type of uh, item. But it's basically cilantro, green onions, carrots, red cabbage, and mushrooms. And those are all cut, you know, julienne style. Um, you know, thin strips. And what's kind of cool about this is you don't throw the whole thing into a pot and just make soup. This this is a whole different deal. Um, so I, what I tell people is to go with the white rice noodles. It's kind of a Thai thing. Um, not the regular spaghetti noodles, but white rice noodles. And you take a nice big pot and you put chicken broth in it, plenty of water, and then you put those white rice noodles in there. And then meanwhile, everything that I just mentioned, you have cut up ahead of time. And this is all just set aside. And I have a separate pan for the walleyes and the crappies, which I'm going to cube in small little one-inch cubes. So it's, it's kind of a two-way thing. So I have a pan going with the walleyes and crappies, and I'm just frying them briefly in olive oil to the side. And then I want to get that broth going till it's really boiling um, heavily. And then you throw in the white rice noodles, and just let it go and get get that thing going super hot, super hot. So the trick is you take the white rice noodles and the broth and you put it into a big uh, uh, soup bowl, the biggest one you can find, and then these vegetables go in along the side. So you have a little spot. You put the cilantro, you put the green onions. You don't just dump it in there. You put them in these little side pockets all the way around, the red cabbage, the carrots, 
and then you let it sit for about five minutes and let those vegetables steam. So you're not exactly cooking them in the broth. They're just sitting in the bowl, steaming, having a great time. Five minutes, that's all you need. And if you like spice, you can throw in some sriracha at the end. I'm telling you, this is the greatest walleye crappie recipe I've ever found, and it's it's pretty. I, I've made it for a lot of guests that really like it. The vegetables are crunchy. The walleye is perfect. It's probably the best walleye crappie recipe I've ever stumbled on, and takes a little trial and error, but, man, it's the greatest. Yeah, that sounds really, really good, and uh, it would go over big at my house. I, I, I know my wife and uh, daughter would like it. My older daughter is out of the house now. Uh, would would love that one too. That that sounds really good because you're right. So often, you know, the shore lunch involves you know hot frying pan, oil, some sort of beer batter, that sort of thing, and and I'm fine with that. But this is really a great spin, especially uh, here here in the cold weather months. Well, yeah, you know, when you eat a lot of fish, you got to be a little bit more creative. And when when you do this type of fa, it's the vegetables are actually undercooked, but they're so crunchy um, with the walleye in the middle that it's just really, you know, very different. And, you know, people have a tendency to really overcook vegetables when they have any type of game, and it's very easy to do. But this actually undercooks them a little bit. But once they steam for five minutes, it's just, uh, it's a party, I'm telling you. It's the greatest. Yeah, it sounds good. Now, now, Steve, kind of a lull. I know you're planning your Missouri River trip, but what's on the agenda for you here in the next few weeks? Well, Steve, I'm going out tonight. The, the, the trend now into March is this after dark bite, which is, you know, it just kind of starts about the 1st of March. And I'm going out tonight expecting a bite between 6 and 8 o'clock tonight. And this seems to be the trend as you get into the late part of winter like this, a lot of the crappies and bluegills move into these deep basins really late, and it's almost a half hour after sunset, and they're coming in, they're feeding on insects, and right now at this time of the year, it's very tough to catch them during the day. They're kind of making this transition to the early spring patterns, and you know, it, it's just a very kind of tough time, but it's really an after-dark bite, and you can get really frustrated during the day on some of these same spots where they just don't show up. But when the sun starts going down and the hatches start coming out of these deep basins, they show up. And it's hard to believe that these bluegills and sunfish in 20 to 40 feet of water can even find your bait in the dark, but they do. And that's where waxworms come in, urolarvae, anything where you can put a little little bit of live bait on your spoon or on your jig really makes a, a big difference. But that's going to be kind of the trend this week is just to do that after dark bite and you know, you get home and you end up eating dinner at 9.30 at night, but what the heck, it's, uh, you know, it's March. Steve Carney, Steve Carney Outdoors, been joining us on the weekends for years, and the trend continues right now, Saturday, sports schedules permitting at uh, 4.10, and uh, Steve, always good to visit with you, have a great week, we'll talk to you in seven days. Great, Steve, and I would love to make that dish for you sometime, you just let me oh. know what works. Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. I'd even drive up to your neck of the woods to enjoy that. 
That sounds really good. I would good. make it worth your while, Steve. Yeah, right. It's a deal. <laughs> Steve Carney joining us, stevecarneyoutdoors.com. Quick break. We'll talk Golden Gopher hockey. Uh, the women uh, in the first round of the WCHA playoffs poised to sweep St. Thomas. That wouldn't be a surprise. The Tommy's new to D1, and the Golden Gopher is ranked number one. Meanwhile, the men's team has a chance to capture the Big Ten regular season title with a win over Wisconsin tonight. Jess Myers from the Rink Live will join us here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Over at the U, Golden Go for women's hockey, ranked number one. They've been uh, just unbelievably hot here in 22. Uh, they go for the sweep of St. Thomas. Puck uh, dropped just a few minutes ago at Ritter Arena. If the Tommies are able to pull uh, the major upset, there would be a game three tomorrow afternoon at Ritter Arena. Once again, Minnesota and St. Thomas women's hockey. And then on to the WCHA final face-off next Saturday and Sunday at Ritter Arena. Minnesota assured of an NCAA tournament berth this year and they will very likely host no matter what happens next weekend. And then uh, the Frozen Four in Pennsylvania at Penn State. So the Golden Gopher women's team on a serious roll. Uh, some of the other sports over at the U uh, we want to talk about. Uh, we already talked men's hoops a little bit earlier with Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press. They get Indiana tomorrow. Then they finish the regular season on the road. Meanwhile, Lindsey Whalen's Golden Gopher women's basketball team, uh, they had a great senior night victory over Illinois at the barn. And they have one to go. They will play at Penn State tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. Then it's on to the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis starting on Wednesday. But they blew out Illinois 87-54 to at Williams Arena to send out the seniors and uh, there was a Minnesotan, Adalia McKenzie, uh, from Park Center plays uh, for Illinois, and she was one of the leading scorers with 14 points. 5 of 13 from the field, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. But uh, Adalia McKenzie uh, from Park Center, now at Illinois, but they were on the wrong end of it as a Minnesota rolled to the victory. So you're up to date on some of the things going on at the U, and uh, tonight could be a Big Ten title. Minnesota is able to sweep Wisconsin. Jess Myers from the Rink Live joins us. Jess, you are following a team that is red hot at the moment. (laughs) You know, the story of the first half of the year was that they couldn't win two games in a row. Right. Well, they figured that out because they're going for the eighth win in a row tonight, and it's been... Steve, I got to tell you, the last two months have been just incredible with this team. When you look at the fact that they lost three of their best players for for five games due to the Olympics, uh, they lost their goalie, their the Mister Everything yeah. in goal for them, and you know the way that has tr- all turned out has worked just perfectly. I mean, it, as a typical cynical Minnesota sports fan, you always think the worst. Okay, right. okay, Jack LaFontaine's leaving. Well, that's a disaster. They're they're not going to find a way to deal with this, and they just did. In Justin Close, just stepping into the role and saying, "Okay, it's my turn." And his team has played great around him. He got his first collegiate shutout last night uh, of Wisconsin, 
And everything just seems to be falling in place for this team. With all of that said, they need to win tonight. You know, they, they control their own destiny. It's, it's down to a one-game season. If they win tonight, they win the Big Ten. They get next weekend off. Uh, if, if they don't win tonight, then they're, they're leaving it up to the, the hockey gods, I guess. Yeah, quite a story for this team. And you brought up the goaltending, and you brought up the the Olympians. And when we've talked before, Jess, we, we can't forget what the head coach went through in this offseason and the loss of his son. Uh, Bob Motzko went through a terrible time. And, um, you know, good guy, um, had so much success at St. Cloud State, took over this program, struggled early, been getting better and better. And then that that tragedy and um I, I still feel for bob but uh definitely a, a great story with the way that the team has responded around him you know and that's that's one thing that's kind of always there in the background you know not to to, to, to make light of what the moscow family is going through in any way i mean it's something that i think just uh, you know never leaves you it's uh it, it's good that bob moscow can be at the rink a few hours a day and kind of get his mind off of things and focus on hockey and in the wake, the immediate wake of Mac Moscow passing away, I had some people say to me, do you think Bob Moscow will take the season off uh, just, just to be with his family? And I said, absolutely not, because that's just not his style. He's, he's the kind that dives into work and, and dives into recruiting. You know, they, they got a top-notch recruit uh, last week. They got a, a top-notch defense recruit out of Benilde St. Margaret's this week that, that committed to their team. So um, work goes on. But the one thing that was really impressive in the goalie transition, because Jack LaFontaine was literally the best goalie in college hockey last year. He won the Mike Richter Award, which is the, the award that goes to the top goalie in college hockey. And he was having a season that wasn't up to his standards. Then he decides to sign the pro contract, and the, the thinking is, oh, my, what are they going to do now? You know, this will torpedo their season. And Bob Motzko says, my staff and I talked about it for like 30 seconds. Okay, he's gone. We've got two other goalies. We're going to play the other goalies. We'll just keep playing. You know, uh, there, there's, there's no sense in, in dwelling on it. It's, it's, uh, it's like when they say a goaltender has, a, has to have a short memory. If a, if a puck goes in the net, okay, it's gone. Stop the next one. And, and that's kind of what they've done. Mm. And it's really neat to see the way this team has rallied around Justin Close, too. Here's a, here's a kid who had not gotten a collegiate start in, in a real game uh, prior to about a month and a half ago. Now he started uh, the last 13 in a row, and he's 10-3. and three. He just got his first shutout, and he was one of those teammates that everybody liked. You know, a guy who knew he probably wasn't going to play much, and yet every day would come to the rink with a smile on his face. Every day he would prepare as if he was the starter, even though he was buried on the depth chart. And, uh, you know, a, a, a guy that was just a, a favorite of his teammates, and you can see that in the way they play for him now. Jess Myers joining us from the rink live. Golden goal for men's hockey tonight. 3M Arena at Mariucci. They can win the outright Big Ten regular season title with a win over Wisconsin. I go back to that Penn State game where they pull one out of the fire late. And you can't see this a lot in sports, and it's still the regular season, and there's still the Big Ten tournament. And then the NCAA tournament, Minnesota will be a part of that. It would it would be a shock. Even if they fall apart in the Big Ten tournament, they're going to be a part of the field for the NCAA. Where they end up, we have no idea. But that come from behind victory over Penn State says that there could be something you know beyond just winning a Big Ten title here, that they, they have a legitimate shot now to, to get on a run. 
I wrote about this earlier in the week, Steve. Okay. So the three Olympians travel something like 40 hours to get back from China to get to State College, Pennsylvania. Keep in mind, they're not just trying to get to Minneapolis. They're trying to get to a small town middle of Pennsylvania from Beijing. They finally get there. Uh, you know, they, two of them are in the lineup. Matthew and I sat out Saturday night, but, but two of them are in the lineup. And 20 minutes in, they're down 3 nothing. And Bob Mosco said, okay, here's our, here's our two choices. Let's start the airplane and go home, or let's start playing hockey. And I said, well, clearly there was no way those guys were going to get on another airplane right at that moment because they'd had enough of airplanes, so they started to play hockey. Here is the story of the last two games, and and in a lot of ways of this past season. Ben Myers, uh, who is one of the team captains and is is strongly, strongly making a case for the Hobie Baker Award, uh, has come back from China, and in two games now – He's got six points. He got three assists against Penn State. He got three goals last night, his first collegiate hat trick. And you think about the great hockey towns, the great hockey programs in Minnesota. You think of Edina. You think of Hill Murray. You think of Warroad and Roseau. You think of Grand Rapids. How about Delano? Do you think of Delano in, in that regard? Yeah. He, you know, yeah. Here's a kid from the, you know, the extreme western suburbs out there, grew up a you know, small-town kid, uh, and has just done incredible things so far. And the best part for him is he's an NHL free agent. So at the end of this season, I think uh, if he wants to try playing hockey for a paycheck, uh, he will have some very attractive offers thrown his way. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no doubt. You sent out a tweet during the game last night. I responded, how much red in the building? Because the attendance was good. And you said, you know, not a lot of Badger fans. So that is a good sign. Fans are coming back to Mariucci Arena. There's a lot of Wisconsin alumni in the Twin Cities, and they sure. show up. But I will say, you know, the Wisconsin alumni that live around here seem to be a, a little bit of kind of a bandwagon crew. This is not a great Wisconsin team. They won the Big Ten last year. They have fallen off dramatically. Cole Caulfield, who was their Hobie Baker winner last year, is now playing with the Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, and they just can't score goals. And that's, uh, that's really the tough part for them right now uh, is, is the Badgers have, have taken a huge step backwards. The last night was a case where their goalie, Jared Moe, kept them in there for a long time. And there's another interesting story. Jared Moe was the Gophers' backup last year. He's from New Prague. He played at Holy Family Catholic. Again, with Jack LaFontaine taking up so much of the ice time, uh, about 11 months ago, Jared Moe said, you know what, if I'm ever going to play, I've got to transfer. I've got to go someplace where I can play some more. He winds up transferring to, to the Gophers' arch rival, and he played pretty well against the Gophers last night, so so good for him. You know, great kid, always had a smile on his face, even after a loss last night. He joked about how much fun it was to be back at 3M Arena at Mariucci as the enemy and how cool it was to, to see some old teammates. But <laughs> sure. he's, uh, he's keeping Wisconsin in the fight right now, but uh, they just don't have enough offense. Yeah, and uh, once again, not quite a sellout, but a pretty good crowd and and that's really going to be the measuring stick ultimately for Bob Motzko is to be able to and and for this program going forward to get the fans back and make it a tough ticket because once again you could argue it was one of the tougher tickets in town in the heyday keep in mind you know the new arena opened at the same time as the North Stars were leaving so the timing from a ticket sales standpoint for the University of Minnesota was absolutely perfect because Gopher Hockey was the big show in town for that first roughly seven years that the new building was open. If you wanted to see any semblance of big-time hockey, you bought a Gopher Hockey ticket. And, uh, you know, my friend Frank Mazzocco used to joke that 
in order to sell 10,000 tickets, they needed to do one thing, and that was open the doors of the building. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> right. uh, yeah. a, a sellout every night there. We haven't seen that. And that's not just a gopher hockey issue. That's a college sports issue. I mean, when you look at what's happening in college football and, and college basketball to some extent, um, the game has gotten so good on TV that, you know, a lot more folks are just staying home and saying, I'll, I'll watch it on TV. I don't need to go to the trouble of, of buying a ticket, especially if it's a product they're not as interested in. And I think fairly or not, that was the case kind of late in Don Lucia's run as the Gopher coach. They they were winning, but fans, for whatever reason, didn't like the, you know, the style of play or, or you know, the makeup of the teams or, or whatever. And attendance has dropped off as a result. And, and now we're seeing kind of that being reinvigorated. And Bob Mosco talked about that this week. He said, you know, the, the Vikings have a new coach now. You know, everything else is winding down. The state hockey tournament is still a couple weeks away. He said fans should show up and see, you know, a, a good series with an arch rival and, and a Big Ten title on the line. So uh, that was really neat. And I tweeted it last night. I had to put my earbuds in while I was working. It was loud in there. I haven't heard it that way in a long time, but it was kind of neat. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Remember those sold-out games against the likes of North Dakota and UMD way back in the day? Uh, Great, great building when it's rocking. Well, tonight a lot of fun at 3M Arena at Mariucci, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Minnesota with a victory, outright Big Ten regular season champs. Jess, always good to visit with you. And once again, how do people find the rink live in your work? TheRinkLive.com. We've got coverage of literally everything going on in hockey from uh, from youth hockey all the way up to, to the NHL there, uh, and and a good army of writers covering all of the colleges here in the state. I'm I'm blessed to cover the Gophers, so uh, good good stuff. Yeah, good to visit with you, Jazz. As always, thank you for the time. Have fun at the rink tonight. And there he is, Jazz Myers, joining us. Quick break. We'll have the weather. We'll talk more of hockey. Dane Mizutani uh, covers uh, for the Pioneer Press. Uh, the Wild. They're not playing very well right now. They have dropped four or five. They play at Red Hot Calgary tonight. Uh, We'll get uh, Dane's thoughts on what ails the wild right now in a moment here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Girls State Hockey Tournament at the XL Energy Center. As a result, the wild are on the road in the 1A title game. One period in the books. Proctor Hermantown leading War Road 1-0. Uh, They are making ice, and period number two is going to be underway very shortly. Naya Seeger gets the goal for Proctor Hermantown. Once again, they lead World 1-0 after one tonight. The 2-8 title, Andover, uh, for the third year in a row, plays for the championship, this time against Minnetonka. Minnetonka beat the defending champion, Dinah, in the semifinals. Andover and Minnetonka tonight in St. Paul. Uh, beginning at 7 o'clock. Uh, Wilder on the road there in Calgary tonight to take on uh, the f- surging flames. And it has been a struggle as of late for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, and Dane Mizutani, who covers for the Pioneer Press online at TwinCities.com, uh, joins us. Uh, yeah, to say it's been a struggle as of late may be an understatement, Dane. Yeah, for sure, Steve, because I think people have gotten so accustomed to this Wild team not going through these lulls. Uh, I think every team in the NHL goes through slumps throughout a season, um, but the the Wild, by and large, have avoided that for for, for a large chunk of this season. So you, you see the rhetoric on social media, on Twitter. I mean, it's a little panicky right now in, in the Twin Cities, 
I think a lot of that stems from the fact that these fans have had their heart broken in the past and um, they don't want to get, you know, get up for the letdown again. But I would say don't push the panic button quite yet. Yes, I know they've lost four of their last five. Yes, I know they just dropped, you know, a game to Ottawa earlier this week um, before losing to Toronto. But they were better against Toronto. And honestly, if they come out and beat Calgary tonight, who is hotter than any team in the league, then a 2-2 two and two road trip through, through Canada is not, not horrible. So there, there's reason to believe this, this team can get back on track. Um, but it, it has been kind of a slog here as of late. Yeah, it started with a 6-3 loss to Winnipeg. Then uh, really a tough night against Florida, a very good team. They were able to come back and beat Edmonton 7-3 to uh, to start the road trip. But as you pointed out, disappointing loss to Ottawa. And then they fall 3-1, to and now uh, they, they go to Calgary. I'm not sure who planned this road trip, but Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary is probably not the way you want to see Canada, but... <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah, that that has a lot to do with these are still some makeup games here and there. Um, the Ottawa game was a makeup game. The Edmonton game was a makeup game. Um, you know, in theory, like if if everything had gone according to plan and, and COVID hadn't derailed this season um, through a chunk of of late January, you know, I mean early January, I guess late December when, when COVID kind of was running rampant the wild would just be coming out of the Olympic break and they would have started that with the Toronto game and now the Calgary game. So that's why it looks like they traveled all over creation in Canada um, because they were only supposed to play Toronto and and Calgary originally, you know, when the schedule makers came up with this schedule. Um, That being said, it has been a tough schedule, you know, and in travel plans and, it's not great to go back west and then go east and then go west again and then go back east. Um, but here the Wild are. They're, they're finishing out the road trip in Calgary. Um, I expect a, uh, you know, a solid effort out of these guys tonight. Dean Everson, you know, had the day off yesterday, and he gave them the morning off. Normally you have a morning skate, and they didn't have one today. Um, I think a lot of that is tough game in Toronto, very hard fought. Um and just legs right now, you know, rest is more important than maybe just yep. getting on the ice. So uh, we'll see how they, they turn out tonight, but it, it'll be a good one. Cause like you mentioned earlier, Calgary's as hot as anyone. Yeah. And they get to see the flames twice, once in Alberta and once here in Minnesota, and that'll be on Tuesday night. And then buckle up this early March schedule is brutal because they got to be out of the building because, number one, you got the state wrestling tournament uh, coming up the first weekend in March. Second weekend in March, boys hockey. So, I mean, they're, they're not going to have access to their own building. And <laughs> and it's kind of a payback. Um, they, they've got bag-to-bags on the road to start the month. Philly and Buffalo uh, the first week of March, and then Detroit and Columbus the second week of March. Um, and we've we've talked about this, Dane. I mean, th- this March schedule is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's pretty insane, and it kind of stems back to, you know, I think because of the, the COVID cancellations and COVID postponements, the Wilds finished the regular season with 40 games and 77 nights, and we're starting to see that right now. It's really starting yeah. to heat up. You mentioned the the back-to-back with Philly and Buffalo and then Detroit and Columbus. 
um, kind of a week apart. You look even further than that and beyond that, and it's games pretty much every other day throughout yep. March. The only saving grace for the Wild is once you get rid of that those two back-to-backs on the road, you're home the rest of the month. So they've been great at the XL Energy Center. If they can stockpile some wins coming up here and, you know, the games on the road, the back-to-backs, as hard as they are with travel, it's not against the best teams. You should beat Philly. You should beat Buffalo. Detroit's a little scrappy this year, but you should beat Detroit, and you should beat Columbus. So it's tough with the travel, but the only good thing I would say is that it's winnable games. So it's not like you're going, you know, into Colorado and then fouling it up with a, with a game in Vegas. So you should be, win those games, and then the reward of doing that is getting to play at home the rest of the month. Um, but, it, it, yeah, you, you're spot on when you say it's a little ridiculous how many games oh. these guys have to play uh, in a short amount of time. Yeah, it is uh, It is a lot. Um, back to dropping four out of five. Is there anything that stands out to you covering the team what ails, or, or is it a combo platter that some nights maybe the goaltender, maybe Cam Talbot fighting a little bit in Ottawa, or just not consistent play on the blue line, or maybe not getting scoring punch? I mean, it, it just seems like in in the stretch of five games where they've dropped four, you know, it, it's been different things in a given night. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Um, Cam Talbot hasn't been at his best um, as of late. But the Wild have been going back and forth with goaltenders, pretty much rotating every game. So we can't blame it all on Cam Talbot. Um, and it wouldn't be fair to because the biggest underlying issue I'm seeing with this Wild team is they're not defending like like we're used to. And I think I don't think they're reading their press clippings and getting you know fat and happy here. But I do think there is something to be said about this is a offensive team. For the first time in a long time, we're, we're looking at this wild team as they're not the, you know, Jacques Lemaire team with the neutral zone trap that tries to lull teams to sleep night in, night out. They're a team that's good. They can score five, six goals a game. Um, and I think they're relying on that a little too much. They're not defending. They're not being, you know, all the responsible on their own end because I think part of them thinks, well, if we go down two, we can come back. It's, it's fine. Um, Yes, it's good to have that confidence, but I think we're seeing that you can't always come back. And right now, that's been the biggest thing through this four, you know, losing four or five. They've gotten down in games, and I think they've done that a lot this season. They've found ways to, to mount comebacks. Hasn't happened. So uh, I think the Ottawa game on, you know, last Tuesday is a perfect example. Just because Ottawa stinks doesn't mean you can spot them two goals. Like that's that's yeah, not how right. it works in the NHL. So it's you know the Wild are a good team. Um, they are an offensive team, but I think they've gotten a little bit away from from playing defensively and you know kind of that identity of the team for so long. I'm not saying go back and try and win games two one, um, but don't let teams score for every night. And uh, joining us, uh, Dame Mews, who Tony covers the Wild for the Pioneer Press. They're in Calgary tonight before returning home to get the Flames and a ton of games in March. One other story I wanted to get your thoughts on, and this has made a lot of headlines. Uh, Hockey Hall of Famer Dominic Hasek, one of the great goaltenders of all time, 
calls for the NHL to immediately suspend contracts for all Russian players amidst Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, He also had choice words for uh, one of the all-time greats, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, things I can't say on the radio uh, in particular. But this has generated headlines. Um, I doubt the NHL will take that step. But nevertheless, uh, Hotchik in his comments, uh, native uh, of the Czech Republic, uh, has, has, has really been getting a lot of attention. Yeah, I, I've seen that. And I think you're right. Like, There's no way the NHL is just going to say Russian players can't play in our league. Um, but it, it's, it's a really, really hard conversation right now to have. And oh, obviously sure. Alex was asked about it the other day and – he came out and said, please, no war. Um, but I think people wanted him to kind of condemn Vladimir Putin a little more than, than he did on record. Um, so I guess it, it's one of those things where it's so contentious right now, um, unless Ovechkin came out and condemned Putin publicly, I don't think people were going to be happy with it, with his comments. Um, I will say credit to him for, for at least stepping up and answering those questions at the podium. But you are in a position of, of power. You have a platform as a professional athlete, and I think that's what Hasek's getting at is you have power here. Um, talking to Ovechkin, it, it's maybe he he wanted to see more of a, of a stance yeah. and more of of something of that nature. Um, you, you can see the frustration. You obviously understand it. Um, it's horrible what's going on over there um, with, oh, with Hasek sure. and with, with what he's saying. Uh, but there's there's no way that. That the NHL is going to do that. So, yeah, and, and and I think that that's you know going a step too far. Kirill Kaprizov obviously played in the KHL, uh, Russian, um, and that's where it hits home. But you're also putting Alexander Ovechkin in fairness, uh, family, friends in Russia, back home, um, and we now know what Vladimir Putin's capable of. So you're, you're really putting the guy in a tough spot. I mean, so I, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, what he did or didn't do, but you're putting the guy in a really tough uh, situation and, you know, it, it, it's just not good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you would, in a, in a perfect world, I think you'd want to see Ovechkin come out with like a little stronger stance speaking yep. out against you know, he spoke out against the war, um, but he kind of just kind of didn't make any sort of statement. Just kind of sidestepped yeah. the question when it came to Putin. So, you would like to see a little bit more of a, a stance, in my opinion. But like you said, um, we don't know what what he's what he's capable of, and it puts him in a really hard situation, especially with his family living in Russia currently. Yeah, it is very difficult indeed. All right, Dane, always good to visit with you. Uh, the Wild in Calgary tonight, then they come right back uh, to St. Paul early next week. Uh, enjoy your coverage. Always good to visit with you. Thanks, Steve. Anytime. All right, there he is, Dane Mizutani of the Pioneer Press and online at TwinCities.com. Quick break. We'll come back. Check that leaderboard. Uh, the PGA Tour now down in Florida at the Honda Classic. And uh, the scores... Well, tough scoring, but Daniel Berger not having a whole lot of trouble with that Nicholas design and the bear trap. Uh, we'll get you up to date there. Check girls hockey as well. We have all the news, including the latest on Ukraine, coming up at 5 from CBS. Sunny day. 
I wouldn't go so far to say a hint of spring in the air because it's it's windy and it's kind of held that wind chill down a little bit today. But um, the forecast uh, has positive signs that, that we're going to creep above freezing more and more, and we're not going to see any bitterly cold temps. Um, March still looms. <laughs> we know that... Uh, we're, we're not out of the woods yet, but uh, a better week temperature-wise on the way. They're playing golf down in Florida now. The PGA Tour has moved there. Uh, the Phil Mickelson controversies rage. Uh, losing more sponsors left and right. It's really extraordinary. Uh, Daniel Berger is your leader at 12 under par. Just dropped a shot on 18. He's at minus 11. Uh, then there's a group tied for second. At six under par, there aren't a lot of players uh, at the moment that are under par, period, at that brutally tough course designed by Jack Nicholas. They got that stretch of holes called the Bear Trap. Uh, At the moment, 18 players in the field are under par, and Berger has a five-shot lead at 11 under par going into tomorrow's uh, finale at Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, in the Honda Classic. Meanwhile, Girls State Hockey Tournament, it is the 1A title game underway. Proctor, Hermantown, and Warroad. And Proctor, Hermantown has a 1-0 lead in period number two. And we'll continue to keep an eye on that as we move through the afternoon. Then tonight, the 2A championship, number one unbeaten Andover against number three seed Minnetonka. The Huskies beat the Skippers twice by a goal uh, during the regular season, and they will meet tonight for the title Andover, trying to win their second in three years, defending champion Dinah, eliminated by Minnetonka in the semifinals last night. So it should be a wonderful title game, and so far a, a good 1A championship. And now Warroad has tied it up early in period number two. Proctor, Hermantown, and Warroad nodded at one in St. Paul. So... Uh, there you go. And the hockey has been terrific. I was over there on Thursday uh, for a couple of the semifinal games Thursday night, calling one on cable TV and then one on prepspotlight.tv. And I watched the Andover win over Gentry Academy last night on Channel 45. Just outstanding hockey. Uh, the girls' game is just terrific. And I expect a good one tonight between Minnetonka and Andover. We'll have the news in a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 